we try to do a better job of educating collectors so that they're more informed and, and even inspire them to go down a collecting journey because it can be daunting for people when they want to get back into something or discover it for the first time. How do I have focus to my collecting journey? I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we sit down with PSA President Ryan Hogue. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. So I want to start with uh, you know describing what PSA is for those people that might not be familiar with the, the brand of the company. Can you describe what PSA's business is? Yeah, PSA is in the business of authenticating and grading collectibles, primarily trading cards. Uh, the company started in 1991, focused on sports cards, and has grown in the 30-plus years since then to include things like TCG, which is trading card game, cards like Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, to autographs, game-used memorabilia like uh, vintage baseball bats and gloves, and is inclusive of uh, other categories like Funko Pop uh, collectible toys. Kind of double-clicking on that a little bit more, you know, the last few years have been pretty crazy in the world of collecting. And those of us that maybe just remember baseball cards back from the late 80s, 90s, there's been an entire renaissance. Can you talk about what's happened in the collecting universe over the last, call it three to four years? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I was I was one of those kids that that collected in the what's what's called the junk wax era, late '80s, uh, early '90s, when things were really, really mass produced. And I think everybody thought that the stuff they were buying as a 10, 11 year old was gonna was gonna pay for their future college education. And I think you know most of us were sorely disappointed, but we still had fun in it. You know, it was it was a really cool community to get involved with, and and became a passion for a lot of people that they carried into adulthood. There's a couple of things that it, that happened since that time that really has led to kind of the stage that we're in now with uh, within the trading card card business. The first was really eBay coming on the scene in the in the mid to late '90s. It all of a sudden became possible to to buy and sell trading cards without physically having them in your possession or going to your local hobby shop. And so I think that opened up a whole new world of possibilities for buyers and sellers and collectors, but it also introduced some challenges where you, you wanted to have confidence in the item that you were buying. And so that's where third-party grading like PSA really started to establish themselves as a value add in the overall kind of collecting industry. And so that was like the first uptick that you saw in, um, in interest where, okay, wow, if, if an item is graded, uh, I know what kind of condition it's in. The grading company provides me information so I can see how rare this is because there's pop population reports that are published. By publishing those, those populations, you actually end up creating more scarcity around the items. And so then fast forward as we get into the 2000s and around 2017, 2018, there started to be a lot more people getting interested in, in collecting. And it coincided, I think, with a lot of the people getting older uh, that collected back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, I was one of those. I kind of rediscovered card collecting in 2012, right after my my oldest daughter was born. And I remember explicitly thinking about, hey, I want to, you know, I'd like to have a hobby or something I can do that allows me to, you know, be in that be at the house more with her, not necessarily out playing golf or doing something something that keeps me out of the house. And I I, I randomly bought a Nolan Ryan 74 Tops card on um, on eBay. It was graded a PSA eight, and it, I kind of went down the rabbit hole. And then I went into this mode where I wanted to go acquire a whole bunch of the cards that I always 
wanted to acquire when I was younger that I they were just out of reach for me financially. And so I had some disposable income at this point. I was established in my career and I rediscovered things and it became, you know, a passion, a passion for me. And I think that continued as we got into 2018, 19, and then the pandemic hit. And then when you had people stuck at home and they had no live sports on TV and they were looking for an outlet to reconnect with sports, to to have some nostalgia to put them in a better mood, given the the terrible circumstances a lot of people were were facing at that time, you just saw explosive growth in in, in the hobby, and it's really continued since then. So you mentioned, you know, at the time, uh, 2012, your daughter was born. You got back in. When did you join the PSA team? So so I joined the PSA team in the summer of 2021. Previous previous to PSA, I was at Microsoft for about 16 years of my career. Did a startup before then. I've always been been kind of a tech-focused product guy. I've been in like product leadership roles for the majority of my career. And, you know, it was just through chance that I ended up at PSA. So I met Nat Turner, who is the CEO of Collectors Holdings, which, uh, which owns PSA. We met, I believe it was in 2015, through some message boards that were operated by, by PSA. And we were both posting in this, in this community of 1975 Tops Mini uh, baseball uh, collectors, and we were posting, you know, pictures of cards we recently picked up, and then we we became uh, we became friendly through that. Turned out we both grew up in Texas. We had some similar backgrounds. He he was a tech entrepreneur. I was I was doing tech at big company, um, and we kind of kept in touch just as hobby friends. And then um, when the uh, deal was finalized to take Collectors Universe private, which was the parent company of a PSA in February of twenty one, I sent Nat a congratulatory note. And then that led us down some conversations and it took a few months and he convinced me to leave Microsoft after 16 years to go on this journey with him and help build the company. So with that, you came in uh, running product. With that, you had this amazing history of authentication, but you've seen a lot of emergence of technology in recent years that have come into this space, whether it's in, can AI be a grading tool with new platforms of how do you trade or break or sell? What was it that excited you as a product leader about jumping into a company like PSA? Yeah, I think, you know, right off, right off the bat, I, I knew the PSA brand and reputation and market position that, that the company had in the overall kind of collecting ecosystem. I had been a PSA customer, you know, since 2000 was the year I submitted my first card. So I knew how important the brand and the company was to how the overall hobby flows. And, and then when I kind of pulled back the covers a little bit to look at the operations and how things work, I just looked at a, at a company that was ripe for innovation. I think the previous 15 years, I think the company really underfunded a lot of the technology. The team was working with limited budgets. I think they would, you know, they would ship features or capabilities or, or, or new platforms out and then not innovate much on top of it. It was almost like shipping a bunch of MVPs, minimum, minimum viable products, and then kind of moving on to the next one. And, and they just really weren't investing in ways that I think could lead to more innovative uh, solutions and services for customers, as well as having the business run more efficiently. And so that was that was my first challenge that got me really excited was, was Nat was very comfortable funding the growth that we needed to have in the investment in, in the technology. And so along with my CTO counterpart, he and I proceeded to grow the, the product and, techno and technology org from about 30 people when we both joined kind of in, in, in mid-2021 
to uh, it's over 160 people today. So that was a lot of hiring and really rapid growth and identifying kind of problem areas that we wanted to invest resources to help shore up and or bring new innovative solutions to market. So with that, you know, you just made the move recently from leading product to moving into president. How has that kind of product lens really shaped how you look at approaching the strategy for the company overall? Yeah, I think it, I think it's a huge asset. So I moved I moved into the president role uh, last November. So it's been a year now after spending the first uh, 15, 16 months at the company as the chief product officer. I think it's 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 really useful for me to be able to go super deep with the team as we're looking at potentially rolling out a new a new solution that maybe is focused on our internal operations. I, I know how to ask the right questions. I know what it takes to to build software. I know the trade-offs that we can make from a time to market to a scalability. So I can I can really help um, kind of push on those types of questions to make sure that we're making the right decisions. And then on the customer facing side, I'm I'm a collector myself, and so. I really try to represent and be the voice of the customer when the team is looking at new customer facing solutions to really make sure it's passing my sniff test. We have several of us here at the company that are pretty hardcore collectors. And so we know some of the pain points we experience and we know the nuance of, of, of certain things that we're looking for. And so I think the team really appreciates folks like me or Matt getting super deep with them when we're reviewing designs and, and early concepts for how we can evolve say the, the online submission experience for submitting cards to get graded or a new feature that we want to roll out in the PSA mobile app, we're hands-on and we're providing feedback daily on what the team is thinking about doing. Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. So, you know, when you kind of look at all of this, you're playing in a space of authentication. When you talk to consumers, you know, especially those, you have those that have been in it for a while and really see the value of authentication. How do you communicate to new customers why, you know, the role that PSA plays in the market and what it does for their collectibles, whatever that might be from a card to a ticket to something else? It's really nuanced and it, and it varies by, by the item type. I think the, the easiest one to convey is when people see a story um, you know, that's out on mainstream media or some, uh, some, somewhere like ESPN might report, hey, there was a record, record sale of a Mickey Mantle card or, or some game used jersey. And it gets, gets attention from people that are maybe outside of the, the core collecting community. And I think what, what jumps out is the price is realized. When you have something that's been authenticated and or graded, it adds another level of assurance to buyers that they're getting the real deal and or it's adding that scarcity. And I think that's the first thing that jumps out to people is, hey, I can turn this thing, uh, if I'm looking to sell it, into a much more valuable item if it is authenticated and graded by a company like PSA. And then on the flip side, I think as people learn about uh, the types of core services that we provide, we also have a lot of information 
and content that helps them become more informed collectors. So that's another angle that we invest in, whether it's pricing tools, research tools, articles from experts, we try to do a better job of educating collectors so that they're more informed and, and even inspire them to go down a collecting journey because it can be daunting for people when they want to get back into something or discover it for the first time. How do I have focus to my collecting journey? One of the things I think has been most fascinating, if you will, over the last, call it two, three years of this renaissance in collecting has been the number of athletes that have started doing it, celebrities that have really jumped in very publicly into their you know love of collecting how have you guys responded to that and you know has it changed your approach in any way yeah it's it's honestly been really cool to see you know both as a collector and as an employee here seeing folks like mike trout get really excited about going down and collecting you know building a set of his own rookie cards for his his family and his son or him being a super passionate philadelphia eagles fan and going and trying to to, to get the next jalen hurts uh, you know, a uh, rookie card or um, other folks like Bobby Witt Jr., who's actually um, uh, kind of a representative of PSA, but also a super passionate collector. Just love seeing him uh, engaging with the community and the fans. And, you know, we'll find out uh, maybe sometimes what the day is notice that somebody's in town, they could be playing the Angels, they could be just visiting and they want to stop by the office and, 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 and have a tour, meet with me, meet with the team, uh, potentially drop off some cards, learn something. It's been really, really fun to just see that group um, get engaged. And I think what they also do is they're ambassadors for the hobby. And I think they can spread the appeal outside of that, that kind of core group that's maybe been deep in this space for 10 plus years because they're, they're super active on social now. That's the other thing is, is the athletes are out there and they're sharing their passions and interests. And so it's been, it's been really, really cool to see. And, and, and there's even a lot more out there that are active collectors that maybe folks don't know about. I'm not going to share them now, but, but they're there. So one of the things I think has been also really interesting is PSA, you know, while you have this amazing history in the authentication, Collectors overall has really broadened its reach. Uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, the acquisition of Golden and others. How are you thinking about the horizontal nature of the collecting universe? And as the leader of the PSA brand, how do you feel your fit of the parent company owning all of those really goes together? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's really interesting when you think about um, kind of the collecting industry. It's really an ecosystem of different providers that are um, operating at different layers of kind of the the value exchange. So you've got you've got card manufacturers, obviously, that are the supply of of new product. The vast majority of things coming into the hobby that collectors go and and chase, and they're trying to you know find the big hits or build out team sets. And this is for sports cards as well as non-sports cards like like Pokemon, they play an incredibly important role in the in the overall overall hobby. And then you have um, folks like us that do uh, third-party authentication and grading, where we add additional value add, we create additional scarcity, we we provide protection uh, through our <clears throat> through our holdering. And then you have other service providers out there that are in the secondary marketplace that are. Um, providing platforms to buy and sell like an eBay, like Golden, uh, like PWCC. You have vault providers. PSA operates a vault um, that makes it easier for customers to be able to buy and sell uh, without having to worry about shipping. Um, then you have hobby shops 
that provide that really white glove customer facing interaction where, where folks can come in, buy new product, ask questions, buy, sell, even submit cards to get graded. We have lots of hobby shops that are partners. You have dealers that, that do this as a business. You have people that do it as kind of a side thing. You have hobbyists that, that need to leverage all these different aspects of the value chain to, to fund their hobby so that they can buy a box of cards, maybe grade some of the, the interesting ones that they don't want to keep, sell them, be able to have enough money after, after that to go buy another box of cards and kind of keep the cycle going. So I think we're hyper aware of the role that we play in, in providing more liquidity in trust in the overall overall ecosystem, and we work very closely with all the other partners that I mentioned. Uh, you know that are operating, whether they're a marketplace or a manufacturer. We have very good relationships with all of them. One of the things you talked about earlier was you know you you like I grew up during you know what was called the junk wax era. You know, fast forward all these years later, and we've had these cycles in the collecting universe uh, across the the years. With the momentum of the last year, how do you keep this going and keep this enthusiasm for collecting as a whole and cards in particular for PSA? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And you're right, we've seen cycles. Uh, I don't wanna call it boom bust, but there's definitely been ups and downs. Um, they maybe haven't been as extreme the last 10 years as they were during that kind of late 80s to kind of the crash in the, in the mid 90s. But we've seen price declines. I think if you look at secondary sales of, of cards after the big surge of people coming in in 2020 and 21, where prices really peaked, um, a lot of cards have come down in value. But if you go back and you extend your time horizon a bit, say look back five years, values are much higher than they were you know, back then. And so I think the key thing is for folks to, to focus on having fun. If, if they're purely focused on just the financial uh, upside and things, I think, I think people will be disappointed. And so I think we're always looking to inject an element of fun through programs like our set registry. That's something that PSA innovated on. And, and what this is, is really a way for collectors to compete against one another, to build the best, the best set, uh, most complete set, the highest graded set. And, and back to my point earlier about having focus, it allows people to, to get really hyper-focused on a certain category uh, of cards and con and connect with the other like-minded collectors. And I think that element of community and fun, um, you know, really, really helps people stick around and want to get more out of this beyond just the, the potential financial speculation that, you know, that's the part that goes boom and bust. I think when people move into something purely around speculation, it's not sustainable. And so we saw a lot of people come into the hobby over the last three years I'm sure some are going to leave, but from what we've seen, at least with our kind of numbers that we look at around customers that are submitting to us, we're having another record year as far as customers that are submitting cards to grade with PSA. You know, this is the, probably the fourth year in a row that we've set new records as far as new submitters. Um, so we're seeing very positive, positive signals and, and, and hopefully we continue to expand and bring in new collectors, especially as we focus outside of the United States. I think if you go international, you start to see a lot of ripe markets that are more in their infancy when it comes to collecting. You mentioned earlier that you know you spent a lot of your career at Microsoft. Now you've come into the world of PSA. When you think about those two industries, what has been a lesson that you've learned that uh, you know spending your time on the collecting side you wished you had at Microsoft? And on the flip side, what's something you brought from the way uh, that you learned at Microsoft that you brought into PSA? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, on, 
on on what I learned at Microsoft being there for so many years, I worked on you know brand new products, so they were kind of you know v one incubation type things that that Microsoft really had no market share or success in. And so I know how challenging that can be to bring a new product to market and 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 to really iterate quickly and be able to respond to customer feedback or dynamics that we're seeing in the market. But I also worked on really large established products like Windows and like Office, where uh, there already was a really meaningful market share and you know billions of customers using those products. And so I think there's a there's an easy ability to get complacent when you're in that that sort of position. And one of the things that I really was focused on during my career at Microsoft was was leaning in deep uh, with customers, keeping your ear to the ground, talking to them every day, looking at the data about how your products are being used. In, in making them better, paying attention to what's happening in the, in the industry with competitors or other markets. I think there's there's parallels that you can learn from. And so I've tried to bring that same sense of customer obsession, customer focus, maybe with a healthy paranoia too, that you know we could screw things up and potentially you know really lose a lot of what we've built over the last 30 years. And so um, that's something that I've really tried to instill with the team through my through my leadership and and just how I engage uh, in the day-to-day here. And when I think about, you know, things that, that we're doing, uh, you know, as a collector or what I'm doing as a collector or what I've learned during my time at Collectors that, that, I, that I think is interesting, one of the things that I've been really surprised about is how quickly we're able to move, you know, when we see an opportunity and or something going wrong that we maybe want to correct, we're able to make very quick decisions and pivot the company's strategy or approach um, you know, in, in, and we're talking days where at Microsoft, it would maybe take weeks, months to, to debate, to discuss, to analyze. We're able to look at something um, and, and shift direction if we think that that's the, the appropriate thing to do for customers and for the business. And so that nimbleness has really surprised me just in my two and a half years here, how quickly and how much we do, you know, every single week things things change. Wonderful. Well, that was a, it's great to hear the story of what you've been doing with PSA and where things are going. So I appreciate you taking the time to share. Thanks, Dave. It was fun chatting with you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com.